Hallelujah. Does anybody here feel like God is great? <laughs> the Lord is good. He has been so good. Praise his name. Hallelujah. We're here Wednesday night. Kind of an interesting change of pace, watching a debate between Bill Nye and Ken Ham. And uh, I guess there's a lot of debate about who won that debate. It's a debate about who won the debate. But you know, as I've been studying these, these Levitical feasts, I am once again amazed at God's Word. <laughs> when you look at the unif uniformity of the message throughout each one of the prophetic books, each one of the Old Testament books from prophets who often were not contemporary, had never met each other, did not know each other, and yet they wrote the same things. How? What more proof do you need of the reality of our God? Yeah. I mean, you can't get two people who witness the same event to write the things exactly the same. <laughs> but you look at the Levitical feasts, and, and I don't know if it's blessed you, but it has blessed me. Uh, it has been such a blessing to go through these. You go with me to the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, and look again at that. When you, when you see the, the story unfold through Exodus and God taking his people out of bondage and into the promised land and the wilderness experience, and we... We compare that with the Levitical feast and each step of that Passover and unleavened bread and, and, and right on through to the end to, to atonement and, and the, the Feast of Tabernacles, right? You see the same story unfold through these Levitical feasts. And you get into the New Testament, you see the life of Christ, and again, you see the story unfold through the life of Christ and through the, the, the prophecies even in the New Testament. It, it's, it, it's staggering. You know, and as a police officer, I can tell you if you have a car wreck or a, uh, an incident that takes place and you have five people there and you told them to sit down and write what you saw, every one of those would write a completely different story. And in fact, uh, more and more and more eyewitness testimony is being discredited. It used to be the main thing. You know, there's a lot of people in prison because of eyewitness testimony and now Evidence is coming out through DNA and different things that are proving that they were innocent. Because eyewitness testimony is that unreliable. Yet you have Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, all these different, you know, Zechariah, all these different guys writing the same things. It's tremendous. I don't know if it blesses you, but it does me. <laughs> Levitical, Leviticus chapter 23, verse 23. And it said, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets and holy convocation. Ye shall do no, no servile work therein, but ye shall offer a, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Father, I ask that your direction be on the message for your glory. Lord, use me to minister to your people today. Lord, I praise you. Let me be out of the way. And you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've looked at these feasts on through 
the beginning, starting with Passover. What an amazing story of the deliverance of God's people. You have unleavened bread immediately. Passover was a time of redemption. It was an indication of a, a, a like of redemption of God's people where, where God's people were taken out of Egypt and immediately they went into unleavened bread, which was a call to holiness. When you're saved, God cleans you up. If you get saved and you're not cleaned up, you probably didn't get saved. I mean, that's the, the, the two things are inseparable. You can't take a genuine salvation experience away from a, a holiness. God makes you holy. You are made holy at that point. And so immediately we went, and you remember it was Passover one day, and the very next day was unleavened bread. And then you immediately go into first fruits, where we give glory to God for all that He has done and all He's given us. And then, 50 days later, after a short span, which would indicate a time of consecration. God called them to the upper room. Go ye and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. So there was this initial salvation experience, initial cleansing, initial praising God for this event that took place in our life. And then there's a time of consecration. You remember that even Paul went into the wilderness and, and learned and, and was trained in, in this time. And then God poured His Holy Spirit out upon them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered and, and strengthened and, and emboldened to do the work of God. That was Pentecost. But now we have a separation even longer. When, when these, these feasts, this, the, the first three, took place in the first month of the year according to the Jewish uh, calendar, uh, the Pentecost was 50 days later. But then this feast, the, the Feast of Trumpets, was in the seventh month. We have a, a long gap of time. All these feasts beforehand, Passover, Eleven Bread, First Fruits, and, and Pentecost, their fulfillment has already taken place. It was, a, it was a prophetic event at that time that Jesus Christ fulfilled. Now the remaining three feasts are futuristic for us. The calling of the trumpets. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm listening for a trumpet. Anybody, anybody listening for a trumpet? I mean, that's what we're, that's what this whole thing is about. And so we have this gap of time between Pentecost and trumpets. Well, what is that time? Where we are right now. The day that we live in. This time of living our lives and, 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 and the, the age that we live. We're in that period, that stretch of time. In between the time God filled His people with the Spirit and the time God calls His people home. Well, what is this? What, is, what does the trumpet do? Numbers chapter 10 verse 1 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Make thee two trumpets of silver. Of a whole piece shalt thou make them, and thou, that thou mayest use them for the calling of an assembly. Hmm, I should say something to you. The trumpet is used for the calling of an assembly and for the journey of the camps. And when they shall blow with them, all the assembly shall assemble themselves to thee at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And if they blow but one with one trumpet, then the princes, which are heads of the thousands of Israel, shall gather the, themselves unto thee. When ye blow an alarm, then the camp that lie in the east part shall go forward. When ye blow an alarm... The second time, then the camps that lie on the south, 
side shall take their journey, and they shall blow an alarm for their journeys. The trumpets primarily in Scripture are used to blow an alarm and call an assembly. When God was ready to pull his people together for a meeting, he had them blow the trumpets. Folks, God's getting ready to call his people together for a meeting. Amen. <laughs> you know, and, and, I, and I have to regress a little bit because I, I feel, as I've said before, such a burden for the day that we're in that I keep I keep hammering how important it is to be ready and to, and to be prepared and all that, and I believe that very much, but sometimes I forget to back up and tell you folks that the Lord is coming back. <laughs> you know, that God is going to call his people home. There's a rapture that's going to take place. Now, whether you believe in the pre-trip, post-trip, mid-trip, or pre-rack, or if you have some variation of that, frankly, it doesn't matter. <laughs> There's going to be a rapture. There's going to be a problem. Some people don't believe in the rapture at all. I'm not sure what Bible they use because the Second Thessalonians chapter 4 makes it pretty clear there's going to be a rapture. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. What's that called? That's called the rapture. It's going to happen. Now I'm pretty sure it's not pre-trip. That's where I stand on it. After that, I don't really take a stand because it's like, I don't know. Let me tell you, it's not 10 seconds ago and it's not right this instant. It's sometime after this point. <laughs> it could happen at any time. If I'm wrong, it may happen any time. I think there's still a little bit of time left. But you know what? It doesn't matter what I think. It does not matter. What I do know is that God is going to call his children home. I, I am amazed that there's this weird dichotomy that seems to be taking place in the world right now. Never have I seen a time when there's more of a dramatic falling away. It's dramatic. Uh, we see it all across. And I'm not talking about just Christians. Non-Christians, in a sense, if you want to call it that, are falling away. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that 20 years ago, if you said you were a Christian, people immediately respected that. And I've mentioned this before, and I, and I bring that up to you quite often. They, they respected that. They didn't believe you, they didn't agree with you, but they respected it. But Peter tells us, 2 Peter chapter 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, what? Scoffers. Walking after their own lusts. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. I have never seen a time until this day when that scripture has been more readily fulfilled. You can, almost, you can almost hear that from church people nowadays. You know, church people are saying, yeah, I've heard about that rapture thing my whole life. And you, you seldom hear preachers preach on the rapture anymore. Very seldom hear preachers preach on the coming of the Lord. If there's any time that a preacher ought to be preaching about the coming of the Lord, it's now. We're waiting for this. But the scoffers have arisen. So in a sense, it's just like, the world is in this huge falling away, but this weird dichotomy is taking place because at the same time, there is this remnant of people that are screaming for people to listen. Mm -hmm. There are not a lot of them, 
But it's amazing how many people, or, or how loud the voice is. It's not a lot. It, it's a loud voice where people are saying, get ready, get ready. There's an urgency. There's a, there's a weight that is coming. There's something going to take place. I saw where a report came out where the CDC, the Center for Disease Control in the United States, has put out a memorandum or whatever to their employees on how to get their families ready for a coming catastrophe, a coming disaster. <laughs> Why would the CDC do that? Folks, everybody knows that something's coming. Everybody knows it. I mean, you don't have to, I don't, you go out in the street right now and ask them, they will tell you they feel like something's happening. Something is about to happen. It is coming. But you know what's great about that is that we're blood-bought by the blood of the Lamb, and we're ready for something to happen. At least we pray we are, right? That does not mean it's going to be easy. Of course it's not going to be easy. There is a time coming, but God has called this our blessed hope. Our blessed hope. There's nothing wrong with living in hope. You realize that? If you lose your hope, you've lost your, your faith, your, your peace. If you have no hope, you have no peace. That's the whole problem with it. You can endure a lot of things as long as you know there's an answer on the way. You can always deal with it as long as you know there's an answer. And, and God, Paul called it our blessed hope. This, this, this hope that is before us. And the world scoffs at it, they laugh at it, and they say that we need our crutch, and they say that we're, we're, we're living in a fairy tale, in a fairy tale land, and I've heard all those arguments, and I say, that's fine, you know, you can say whatever you want to, but this I do know, I know whom I have believed, and I, and I know that he is faithful to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know my God is faithful, and I, I am resting on that blessed hope. There's nothing wrong with living in hope. Because if you don't have hope, you know, if you're stuck in prison and you're in there for life, no chance of parole, that's a pretty hopeless situation. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm just stuck. Might as well just plan to camp. I'm done. You know? But if you know, I only have to be in here for two years. There's a hope there that you can hold on to and say, I've got that date. Kind of like when I was in the Army, because I was a 17-year-old punk, and... Uh, I signed a paper to get away from a certain family member, really, is what I did. And I ended up in the military. And I think it was the very first day I got to my permanent posting, I had my short time with calendar up. And that thing got marked off every day. <laughs> I was ready to get out. <laughs> you know, that hope was always before me. Christians are losing hope in the world. Pastors are losing hope. I'm staggered by the numbers of pastors that are walking away from it. That are, that are struggling with pastors that are committing suicide at amazing rates. Pastors killing themselves in, their, in the parking lot of their churches. This has happened several times in the last few years. And they've just lost hope. They're, the weight of it has come down on them. And, and you know, it, it shouldn't be that way. The only way we can get into that point of despair is when we lose sight on who we serve. When it becomes about you, instead of being about Him, then I have a problem. And you say, well, it's supposed to be about me. You're my pastor. No, it's about Him, folks. Sorry. And because I serve Him and He has called me to do something, then I will serve you because of Him. 
It was about him. But anytime I take my vision, anytime you take your vision off of why God called you, why he saved you, where you are, who you belong to, all that, you will lose hope and your foundation will start to shake. God called this assembly of the, of the, uh, of the trumpets. Why the trumpet? You know, they're just, you go to those places, back to the military, you know, you get up bright and early in the morning, you hear that morning trumpet call, duh, 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 and it wakes you up. It's time. It is time. It's a, it's a time of assembly. If somebody walked down here and started blowing the trumpet on the street, you would stop and look. It would grab their attention. God is going to call it. There's this the modern, I don't know, theological view is that this secret rapture is going to take place. God's going to come back and I'm not sure where they get that in the Bible. It's really weird to me because my scripture says, and the very verses they use said, the Lord himself can descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, and the trump of God. <laughs> and then the Bible also says that every eye shall see him, and they that pierced him. Oh, ouch. That means everybody alive. And everybody dead will see when Jesus Christ gathers his church home. There's not a soul on earth that won't see it. You talk about a bad day. <laughs> you don't know Jesus Christ. But mama's been preaching, and daddy's been preaching, and, and, and you, the preacher's been preaching, and you've been uh, drugged. I, I saw a thing recently, a guy was talking about on, on the internet. He said, uh, I'm a drug addict. I grew up as a drug addict. My mama drug me to church and drug me to Bible study. I, I got drug everywhere. <laughs> I'm drug addict. <laughs> you might have been a drug addict. You know what? But that day that you said no one too many times, and then that trumpet calls, and 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 your 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 sweet bride or your husband or your children or your parents go. Boom, they're gone, they're with the Lord, and yet you're standing there saying, wait a minute, why did I say no one too many times? It is such an intense realization. God is going to blow the trumpet. But you know, when you look at these feasts, especially uh, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, and Pentecost are all about the harvest. It was all about the wheat har or the barley harvest in the first two and the wheat harvest in the last one there. It was all about the harvest. So where's everybody during this span of time between first fruits, I mean between Pentecost and, and the Feast of Trumpets? They're in the fields. That's where God's people are supposed to be, is in the fields. The fields are, are white for harvest. They're ready for harvest. God's people's calling at this point, after Pentecost, during this time of waiting for the Feast of Trumpets, is a time of seeking the harvest. God has a harvest out there. I don't know if you've noticed it, but there's lost people out there. A couple of them. <laughs> they seem to be getting more dramatic too but God has called us to reach the lost he has called us to take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever we go to carry that message with us These, I can say just from my personal experience I believe I'm saved today because of a grandma who prayed a grandma who died before I ever came to know the Lord Jesus Christ she prayed all the way to her grave for her knuckle-headed grandson. And she went to the grave never having seen me give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I believe it was her prayers that got me. Mm -hmm. 
I believe it was her prayer. I believe it was people I've told you about before, the Heshes that I used to torment their cat, throw it in the refrigerator and different things like that. I do. But they loved us no matter what we did. No matter what we did, they loved us. <clears throat> no matter how we behaved, they loved us. Our, we have to realize people behave the way they do because they're lost. What would you expect a lost person to behave like? We want them to act like Christians. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a revelation here. Lost people don't act like Christians. We can't even get Christians to act like Christians half the time. <laughs> we sure can't expect it from lost people. And so we sometimes we forget, I was there once. I was there. I was lost. I was bound for hell, and I didn't care about the things of God. I, it was a... I tuned it out. It, it went one ear and right in one ear, right out the other. I had school teachers that I know were praying for me, and I believe that their prayers made a difference in drawing me to Jesus Christ. And they don't know where I'm at today. You're praying for people, and you may never physically see the realization of your prayer. But I want to tell you something: not one word of it falls to the ground. God hears those prayers. God carries those prayers. They are as an incense before Him. It's a sweet savor in His nostrils, the Word of God says. Those prayers of the saints, are He breathes them in. He doesn't just hear them, He breathes them. And so when you're praying for that lost child, that lost grandchild, that lost parent, don't stop. Don't give up. And don't ever think that God doesn't hear, because He does hear. And Daniel, back in Daniel 12, I read earlier, he tells about this time and says, at that time, and this is what's so amazing about God's Word is the uniformity of it. No matter where you look, this time of God gathering His church is always worded almost the same. It's the same thing. At that time shall Michael stand up. <laughs> that right there is enough to make me want to watch. Can you imagine the archangel? I don't know what an archangel looks like. Uh, I don't know what any angel looks like, to be honest. But <laughs> at that time, it's like God says, now, right now, it's time. And Michael, the archangel, shall stand up. The great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. Michael, the archangel, is standing for you. That's what it says there. He is the one that standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble. Such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. Now I want you to realize this is Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 9, 10, and 11 are already done. What do those go through? The rise of the Antichrist, the persecutions, the wars, the, the, the travesties, all the things that you read in Matthew chapter 24. Same way in that Matthew 24, clear down to verse 29, I believe it is, where it has this same story taking place. And he says, uh, and at that time shall thy people, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they shall turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. God is preparing a place for you. Isn't that what he said? If I'm leaving, this is what I'm doing. I'm preparing a place because I will come back and get you. That's going to be the trumpet. 
That's the, the fulfillment of the Feast of Trumpets. I'm looking forward to that. I fear because so few people in the church are looking for it. And the ones that are looking for it are busy bickering about when it's going to be. Well, it's going to be this day and that day. We have this, uh, the, the four uh, uh, red moons that are, that are before us now. And, and I think it was John Hagee had written a book about the, the, the moons, and the red moons, and, and the significance because they happen to be falling on Jewish holidays. Well, I don't think they happen to be falling on God designed it that way. And, but every time that's happened in the past has been a, a very significant prophetic event that took place. And so there's an anticipation in 2014 and 2015 because these, these moons are going to be falling on, on uh, Jewish special days. Something is about to happen. Now, if you're a pre-trimmer and you're right, God, I hope you're right. <laughs> and I hope, bam, we're out of here. I want to tell you something. see the action. Let's go. I want to tell you something. Even if it's not pretty true, God will never put you through the wrath. Do not get pulled into that idea. People say, well, if you're not pretty true, you just believe that you're going through the wrath of God. God's people never go through the wrath of God. Ever, ever, ever. God always protects his people from the wrath. Just like he did the children of Israel when they were in Egypt, God was pouring wrath out of Egypt and that little cell group of God's people were protected. God, and they were right there, but they were protected. So even if it's not pre-trib, you're not going through the wrath. God will protect you. Does that mean it's going to be easy? No, no. Does that mean you won't have to lay down your life for Him? Very likely you may. You may. But I would rather fall into the hands of man than I would into the hands of an angry God. But I would rather fall into the hands of a loving God saved and redeemed by His blood than to fall into the hands of angry men. God is going to take care of His people. I wanted to encourage you today. It's coming. It's close. I don't care if you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, pre-wrath. Any one of those. It's close. Are we in the tribulation period? I don't think so. Well, we might be. I don't know. It's really hard to say when that day is going to trigger. But it is close. That's my belief. And God is calling His people back. He's calling... What is it about? The calling of, of an assembly. Calling of the people back. Pastors who are not preaching last day stuff, in my opinion, are derelict in their duty. They're derelict. We have people going to church and hearing the same old happy stuff, and they're going home not even knowing how intense a day it is. Because the prophet of God didn't proclaim it. And I think that is a travesty. Let's pray. Father, you're coming back for your kids. One day Michael's going to stand up. He's going to blow the horn. He's going to blow the trumpet. Lord, we'll be going home to a place that you have provided for us. And Lord, my parents, my grandparents thought that it was so close. They saw the signs that, that were taking place back then, but Lord, compared to today, that was nothing. Nothing compared to what we see happening in the world today, Lord. 
The unsaved know it's about to happen. The ungodly know something's about to happen. The atheists are, are expecting something to happen. But Lord, so many of your people are not. Lord, I'm just praying. I'm praying for this body of believers to look to the skies. For whence cometh our help? Our help comes from on high. The righteous King of Kings, Lord, I pray that you will awaken us one more time to the fact that the days are so very short and that we need to know that we are right with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.